and what I'm what I'm thinking of, and I want us to move to grants and scholarships in our conversation. What I was thinking of with this is, I think, and you may know this better than I do, or know this um, answer for me, um, Christine, is that that's where our financial troubles start. I don't know about people who don't go to college, but I think that's where financial troubles start because it's kind of like. Um, going online, you want to be on this site, but you have to agree to the, to the terms in order to go to this site. So you don't read the terms. You just know I'm going to get to go to this site. So you don't read the terms or understand the terms of schooling, um, but I know I have to sign this stuff so that I can go to school. So I'm glad that we're able to have this conversation so that they don't have to do what we did or do what I did um, with not understanding the terms and being set up to where you don't have to, you know, fight with financial aid, you know, to prove how bad you want to go to school because it shouldn't be that much trouble. Um, we just want to make it, make it. Uh, I don't want to say easy because easy sounds like you're, you're not going to have any obstacles. But Christina's already let us know, and we already know we're going to meet difficult people in difficult situations. And the one that we're tackling is being able to get you in school or get your student in school. Um, without it being a financial burden. So my question is, Christine, to you, do you feel like um, financial problems start when someone goes to school not understanding what they're filling out? Exactly. And, and, and think about it in terms of this way. Look at it from the student's perspective. You know, your son Johnny is 18 years old. He has no idea about any legal contractual obligations. And when you sign the FAFSA, and when you sign for student loans or sign up to go to school, you're signing contracts, legally binding contracts. And you know, as well as I do, when I went to school, I never read it. What do you want? You want the college degree? Sign here. Do you want to do that? Good. Sign for this. And you have no idea what you just bought, except you know you want a college degree, so you're going to do whatever it takes to get there. And that is a huge problem. That's also part of what I suggest in the planning. Um, I think, and I wish, our, you know, I think our entire education system needs to be revamped based on what we know today and lack of education mm -hmm. on financial issues and financial literacy uh, in the United States is at an all-time low. Uh, so here we are, educating them uh, with financial literacy information. So Johnny, who's 18 years of age, wants to go to college, needs to have some concept and some conceptual understanding of legal contractual obligations and how the contract binds him or her and how they, the student loans work. And that's the big issue. They don't even know what they got, right? In one of the examples in the book, I talked to a woman one time. She says to me, um, I need your help in understanding my student loans. I borrowed $20,000. Why do I owe $40,000 right after graduation? What happened? I had to explain to her what an unsubsidized student loan was and why that loan accrues interest while the student is in school. And when she figured that out, she was floored and she was stuck with it and there was nothing we could do about it. And that's what people don't get. You borrow 20 grand for college on an unsubsidized loan, it's going to accrue interest from the moment you sign on that loan. And that's wow. what it's going to do. Accrue interest, even though no payments are due, you're not even graduated from college yet. And that's how it went from 20000 to 40000 was $20,000 mm. was added as compound interest on the loan before they even got the degree. 
Wow. So it was giving you interest from day one. So it sounds like, <laughs> other than making a sure trap. Cool, it sounds like a trap. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Outside of making sure our student looks poor on paper, it sounds like grants and scholarships is going to be the way to go. And so our next topic, Christine, I want to lure you into is uh, grants and scholarships and how to get the most out of the FAFSA. So you're going to do, um, you're going to share with us the who, what, when, where, and why of the grants and scholarships. Yeah, grants and scholarships, you know, come in on, you know, we've got sporting event scholarships, right? Some of our students are being groomed from the age of, I don't know, two years old for sporting events, soccer scholarships, there's music scholarships, there's dance scholarships, you know, and I was talking to a friend of mine who's got three kids that are about to go to college, and, um, you know, I tried to talk her out of, you know, putting money on the table, but she did anyway. Um, and she, her son is going to an Arizona college. He is approved for full ride for the first year. So here's another game they play. The, the schools are actively recruiting for students all the time, right? So they want the best students. They're going to they're gonna reel you in. They're going to tell you they've got slides into the pool and all kinds of fun stuff on campus. And we'll give you a first year full ride. Well, what they don't tell you is the next three years might cost you another eighty to 100000 What they don't tell wow. you is what the total cost is. And what they don't tell you is what's not included in that beautiful offer, right? And so I would ask that every prospective college student and parents ask a lot of questions. Get your answers. Understand what you're putting your kid into. Understand what you're getting yourself into before you start signing mm -hmm. for them. Um, and understand what it is that you're buying. What is the total cost of this education, right? So they will lure you in on a first-year free ride scholarship, and then the rest of it is fleecing. And that's where they just reach into the pockets for the next three years and take as much as they can out of the family. Um, but the scholarships are there. So uh, I, I would encourage some due diligence and some searching online for the various scholarships. It doesn't have to be sports or music or skills. It could be other things like civic duty or volunteerism uh, or other activities that might be eligible for scholarships. There are corporations out there that want to give money for scholarships. Uh, there are a lot of different opportunities, and that's why, I mean, it, it's probably even a more than year planning because you want to look into that. What are you eligible for? Um, what are you not eligible for that you might want to work on being eligible for so that you have time to do that? Um, and the grant money comes in, like the Pell Grants, uh, that's one that I received. Uh, that is from poverty. That is from lack of financial ability to pay for school. That, is, that comes from being financially independent, um, you know, and maybe being, you know, toward the end of my college education was my graduating semester is when I got my Pell Grant. Uh, so those, that money comes in when you... Christine. Pardon? Hold on one second. Hold on one second because the sound is getting... Um... Is the sound is going out. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Because it may be me. I can, I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me? I can. It was getting, it was scratchy, so I didn't know who it was. So I wanted to stop us. I can cut this piece out. But I want to okay. make sure they're hearing what you're saying. It, it got scratchy right that last part when you were saying that the Pell Grant, um, I believe you were saying it was for financial need and that's, purpose of um, being poor on paper. That's not exactly what you said, but that's what I think you were saying when I when it started act, sounding funny. 
perfect. I'll pick, pick that back up. Yeah, so yeah. the Pell Grants are, you know, a, a grant based on financial need, and that is based on the student's lack of financial ability and where the parents don't have to participate in the FAFSA, so there's no expected family contributions. Uh, and the once the student is eligible for those free grants, uh, a Pell Grant is free money that never has to be paid back. Scholarships are generally also free money. The scholarships will come with certain conditions, uh, either being you come to school for a year. Uh, there are some uh, programs where cities uh, and governments will offer uh, scholarships for work later. Uh, there are some work for, for scholarship offers out there. Be careful. I've seen some people come through those programs. Once they graduate, they tell me, well, I don't want to work for them or I can't work for them or what happens if I get fired from that? Because what happens is sometimes if you breach the conditions of those scholarships, they might want that money back. And so there's some traps inside of those uh, offers. So it's always, always, always beneficial to read the fine print, even though it might put you to sleep, uh, but also ask a lot of questions so that you have a clear understanding of what you're getting yourself into in terms of the contracts and the legal obligations once you sign on the dotted line. If that's what you mm -hmm. are really, you know, and ready to search for and get into, um, you know, I always say where there's a will, there's a way. And I think, um, you know, scholarships and grants are great, uh, also just depending upon the source and whether or not they have to be paid back. Whatever those conditions are, you want to make sure that you can comply with that. Uh, otherwise, it could get expensive later if they want their money back. Yeah. So we have talked about pre-planning for school, um, setting your student up on, I, I just love the name of that, the PPP, the new PPP program. I love it. Um, getting your student set up. And, and I think a lot of times our emotions, and I say all the time, our emotions make us feel like we have to stress out. And we live in a country where they say education should be free, Christine. and after talking with you, not just today, I was like, wow, I just see a lot of times we, we don't know we don't know that we already have it. If you would set your child up for that, then they would be able to get the free education. And there are lots of organizations out here, no, you won't, you won't receive everything you apply for. So don't think, I applied and I got tired of applying, and because I wasn't getting any responses, I just quit. Don't do that. Persistence is what Christine talked about early on uh, that is also that is going to help you um, win over everything else. But setting our students up to be independent, I just remember how upset I was when my mom set me off to be independent, and it was the way she did it. Um, so I hope that the parents listening will choose a different way when they are setting their children um, up to be independent. You want them to be able to get that education. And it it really isn't a good thing to try to play with their mind to say, well, if you really want it bad enough, you put yourself in debt. Because whether you take out the loan or they take out the loan, um, if there's a loan needed, um, once you set them up to be independent, it's not going to scare them into doing it right or understanding it better don't make it don't make them feel like they're making a bad decision because they're moving without you. In fact, cheer them on 
that they are an adult and that they are getting ready to be set up for success. And especially if this is your first kid going to college, they're going to be your guinea pig one more time, but it's going to set you up for knowing how to get your other children um, ready for college and giving them that opportunity. And if we don't do anything to improve ourselves, we won't make the world a better place. So I don't care if you go to college or go to military or start a job or a business right after high school, but whatever you do, be productive with it. And I just encourage parents to be um, supportive and, and really help set the kids up in the direction that they want to go in. I'm curious yeah, about Yeah, as best they can. And, and, and l- let me add, too, to that, to what I say also to parents is it's not that you're not going to financially help them. By making them poor on paper doesn't mean you're abandoning your children. What it means is you're setting them up for success for the free money, for the scholarships, for the grants, and for the student loans on themselves. And the, what, the best advice that I can give parents that are listening today is you let your children take on the debt in their own name. I find a lot of parents who have signed on student loan dotted lines later have financial problems themselves, and then they can't afford to pay the debt back. So you're now, if you don't have cash saved, if your parents don't have a 529 college savings plan, and your mom and dad don't have money to put you through college, okay, the problem right. is they're going to be forced to take out loans to finance it if they, have, if they don't pass the FAFSA and they make just a little bit too much money for free grants and scholarships, and now they're having expected family contributions, and they don't have the liquid cash for that expected family contribution. Now they're going to be forcing the parents to take on student loan debt when they can't afford it, and that's the problem. So the best way to do it, is let your children take on the debt all in their own name because if you're in the financial position to help them, go ahead, pay for their student loans. But guess what? You're not legally on the hook for it, mom and dad, when it's Mm -hmm. not in your name. Yes. Thank you for tuning in to This Needs to Be Said. I hope you've gained something from what has been shared. Send me your comments and show ideas through the website at tntbsmedia.com. I'd love to hear from you.